This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. So we're talking about Santa Claus. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Santa Claus. I think I'm going to title this episode, How Should Christians engage with santa claus how should christians participate in santa claus should christians participate in santa claus i have my own opinions on this come on i don't think that christian here i i'm hmm, let me back up i don't know in this moment as a single man without kids so my my opinion really is not valid here (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that i will participate in the santa claus thing with my kids in this very moment why yeah i get it's fun it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun i remember doing it as a kid but whenever i found out the santa claus wasn't real it wrecked me Mm -hmm. um and i think that that is because there is this sort of comparison that I did in my brain that I don't think is uncommon mm-hmm. between this sort of being based on a real person um, in St. Nick, right? Based on a real person that has these sort of omni characteristics. Oh, why do you call him omni? They feel like they are. He knows when you're sleeping. sleeping. He knows knows when when you've been bad or good. He seems to know everything. He seems to know everything. He seems to be able to get all all over the world in one night. In one night. And also have all of the perfect gifts for all of the children all over the world. Tell me that this is not omni characteristics. So they are some omnis, but they're not all. It feels very godlike in nature. It does. The The only one I would pushback on is there's nothing about the Santa Claus lore that communicates om- omnipotence. Fair enough. But somehow he is able to do all of these things that, that yes. are very godlike. Yes, very godlike, yes. And whenever I found out that Santa Claus was not real, my parents had told me my entire little life that Santa, Santa Claus was, was real. real and now all of a sudden I have to ask the question, well, what about this Jesus character? Yeah. Um, and that wrecked my little brain. Yeah. So as a single man in this moment, I don't know. <laughs> Again, my opinion's not valid. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Santa Claus thing. Is there a way to do the Santa Claus thing without saying that he's real? I think in the way that you're trying to do it, yes. Yeah. So, I got quite a few qualms with Santa. And actually, I want your opinion on this because I don't actually know where I fall. Okay. But I know it's troubling enough that I can't settle on how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Can't decide how I feel about the fact that Santa's fat. It's all the milk and cookies, bro. Well, but so I love it in like a fat positive way. Okay. <laughs> But I also hate it because, like, a bowl full of jelly. 
right? <laughs> like, like there are really crude ways that we talk about Santa's weight. Um, yeah, it's true. And I, I always forget about that. Shake his bowl like a shake his belly, belly like, like a, a bowl, bowl full of jelly. jelly. Yeah, it's like I always okay. Forget about that. Well, and the milk and cookies thing, and then he's fat, and and, and he gets down the chimney like. No, I feel you. I just, I'm not sure. I like, like, in a fat positive way, I like that the main character is fat. Um, but I just think in the way, it's almost like a backhanded, he's fat. I, I see, I don't know if that's true. Well, see, that's why we're having this conversation. I'm not sure yeah. that I feel that way, but that is kind of how I feel. I wrestle with. I actually don't know if it's backhanded in, in the way that you're talking about. Oh my God! How do I say this? I wonder if it brings a level of comfort that he's fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In what way, my guy? <laughs> don't take this th- any other way than exactly what I'm about to say. He's soft. Oh my God! He said it. <laughs> I mean, think about it, though. Like the kids that go and sit on Santa's lap in the mall. Which also, not totally sure I'm sure with that tradition, but okay. I, I'm not I'm not sure I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. But think about handing your child off to this big, bulky, like just ripped dude. Meathead. Just yeah. freaking massive and like, like, think about handing your kid off to Brock Lesnar. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like... The, it doesn't it doesn't he's definitely more approachable this way he's much more approachable this way and i think that that's what the the fat santa thing is trying to bring about bring about um is just comforting and approachable it's like the dad bod thing yeah, I need to th- I I need to think and process some more to try to gather my thoughts on how I actually feel about this. Um, I still feel like it's slightly troubling um, in my mind, just because I can't seem to settle. Yeah, I just can't seem to settle on how I feel about that. Um, because then, in your thing about him being more approachable. It, it's not anything the same, but the only metaphor I can come up with in this moment is like, well, that just makes him a duff. For those who don't know, the duff is the dumb, ugly, fat friend. No, the designated ugly, fat friend. No, it's dumb, ugly, fat friend. No, it's not. It's the designated ugly, fat friend. All right, well, we're looking it up. Um... Designated ugly fat friend. Okay. Remember that movie, The Duff, though? Yeah, she's the designated ugly fat friend. I could have swore it was the dumb ugly fat friend. No, no, no. That's really lacking PC. (laughs) Of course it is, but that term is not meant to be PC. (laughs) No, it's not. But no, it's the designated ugly fat friend. Even in that movie, designated, not dumb. But anyways, in your comment... It just makes Santa like the duff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I'm not sure that I totally love what that communicates because then that's not fat positive at all. Right. That's very backhanded about the way that we're communicating weight. Um, so I just, I don't know. Yeah. You looking at, you fact checking me? Yes. Yeah. He's right. Of course I'm right. At least in what this one. No, 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 no. In, no. Of course in, I'm right. In this moment, I wouldn't lie on air. Like, that's dumb. Any person can go fact check me. Of course I'm right. Like, not not in that I'm always right, but of course I'm right in this moment. But you have to admit the way you yeah, said it, that was yeah, hilarious. It, it of was. course I'm right. I'm yeah, always right. No, like. that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. But I could totally see how that came out that way. Yeah. So that's one of my qualms with the Santa thing. Um. I I have a major issue, like catastrophic issue, with two other elements of Santa. Number one, the fact that we tell little kids that he's real mm. and then expect that they're not going to think we're the little boy who cried wolf right. when we tell them that Jesus is also a character that they can't see mm. but it's also real. Right. Um, but then when Santa finds out, they find out Santa and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny. All those things. Are there any more? I keep using those three. Are there any more? Um, Santa, Tooth, Tooth Fairy, Fairy, Easter Bunny. Not that I can think of. At least not in like our... Not in, yeah. Neck of the woods. Because even like the Belgians, they have their own version of Santa. I can't remember what they call him right now. But like they have their own version of Santa. Okay. It's just, it's different. And the lore behind him is different. Yeah. Yeah. So for me... I got I got big qualms with the fact that we tell kids that there are these four characters that are all real and they can't see any of them. And then somewhere around the time of mid to late elementary school for most kids, maybe early for some, they find out in a, you know one of a few different ways that Santa is not real. And then that means the Tooth Fairy is not real and the Easter Bunny. And then they go, oh, and Jesus? And you know, Jesus is still real. It's like, well, I'm just not sure that that communicates the best truth because now what leg do they have to stand on? Because at least in this category, your word doesn't mean anything. Right. Because you've lied to him. I mean, that's a very cynical way of it is looking at but, it. But you said that this was a problem for you as a kid. It was. I don't. I don't remember it being a like a Jesus problem when I found out. But I didn't start talking about that until I was an adult. Yeah, because um, I was never never really able to put it all together. Right. But whenever I turned about eighteen, I remember I was eighteen and uh, Christmas was coming around, and I was just thinking about all of it, going through some deconstruction stuff, and I realized that's the problem. Yeah, that was that that was my problem with Santa, and ever since then, I just haven't been able to get on board with the Santa thing. Yeah, my other big issue with Santa is the more and more I've thought about it through Advent, the more and more I see parallels between Santa and God in the way that they're communicated. 
Um, and unfortunately, I think the concept the the concept of Santa's idea of a congruent gift right has migrated and borderline in some traditions overtaken mm-hmm. the idea of the incongruent gift in Christianity. Right. Um, so if you don't follow any of our other podcasts, um, uh, my story series this Advent is called The Gift. And in it, I'm talking about the idea of an incongruent gift and a congruent gift. And the fact that the gospel, the gift of Jesus, the gift of grace, is an incongruent gift. Mm-hmm. It's something um, that we did not earn. It is ill-fitting. Ill-fitting. Yeah, that was a, that was the way that Webster defined it. Ill-fitting. It doesn't. It doesn't match. Something fills out a place the, here. The amount of grace that we are given is something that we have not earned. Correct. And so. I've been talking about this idea of congruent and incongruent gifts. And what I realized is, well, actually Santa is an entirely congruent gift giving metaphor. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is an entirely incongruent gift giving metaphor. In that for Jesus, we have done nothing to earn this grace. And in the Santa narrative, you have to be good, right? Like, you be good to get your presents, and that is something that parents use year-round to brainwash their children into yeah. being good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, the fact that then we rip the rug out from underneath them, it's borderline gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm just not sure that it's the most helpful of metaphors. The other thing is, once again, just from a connection between Santa and and God is a fear-based system. It is a fear-based system. Oh, for sure. Because it's actually sure. like it's, well, I have to be nice so that I don't end up on the naughty list. Right. Like it's a fear-based. You're, you're doing something so that you don't reap the consequences of not doing the thing that's happening. Right. That's a fear-based system, which is not a helpful system in any in any form right like i will i will never forget like hearing sometimes other people say and myself even being a part of this group at one point doing the doing the jesus thing so that i don't go to hell yeah right like yeah same kind of deal it's almost like it's it's your ticket right it's your payment for the ticket. It, it's your get out of hell free card. Yeah, it's your fire insurance. Yeah. And it's that's just not healthy. I think I think it's the same way in the Santa Claus metaphor, especially when parents go in flipping June. <laughs> well, if you don't if you don't be good, Santa's not gonna bring you a gift. Mm-hmm. That's a fear based construct. Mm-hmm. Like that's not helpful ever. Yeah. In the same way, I think, great example is the famous sermon by Jonathan Edwards. Mm. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Awful. What people don't realize is that sermon was preached twice by Jonathan Edwards. The first time he preached it, 
He preached it in his own church mm-hmm. where he pastored. Mm-hmm. Do you know how it was received? Not well, if I remember correctly. There's not a single person that responded. Yeah. Not a single thing of value. Yeah. Because it's a fear-based system. Mm-hmm. And he preached it in a context where they knew that their construct was not a fear-based construct. He then went seven miles down the road and preached it in a church, not his own, that he'd never preached in before. And that's where you get the story of people clutching the front of the pews and scratching it because they're so intense. And you get this like mass revival kind of imagery. And Jonathan Edwards never preached that sermon again because he realized it's not a sermon that a pastor can preach to his congregation because it's a fear-based faith. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if he's articulating it as a fear-based faith, but I know that when I read the sermon... That's exactly what it feels like. Oh, it's 100% that. It's literally titled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Yeah. You're Um, meant to be afraid of God in that construct. Yes. And that's also why it was not effective in his own church. Right. Um, I remember... I remember reading that in high school. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't remember reading that in high school. Rebecca had us read it. I don't remember that. Yeah. I think... I've actually read it multiple times. My re- my uh, Reformation section's over there. Yeah. Um, I just think there's a lot of things about the Santa Claus narrative that... Are, are quite problematic um, or can be and set you up for potential failure with with kids. And this is somebody who has two kids and is going through divorce and thinking about how to and kind of deconstructing some more fundamentalism that I hadn't in the past. And just thinking through all of it and trying to think about new traditions and all the things, trying to pave my own way in these moments. I just think there's a lot of it that's unhelpful. But I will also say, it's really fun. My kids love it. Um, and there's a lot of great truths that come from it. I mean, it it stems, we're going to talk about it next week, it stems from St. Nicholas, an, an actual saint, early church, who was the embodiment of generosity, that I can get on board with. Mm-hmm. That's the message of the gospel. Yeah. That's the reciprocity of the gift. Yeah. That I can do all of that. Yep. yep. Also, yep. also, if you have not, on Netflix, watched the movie Claws. K-L-A-U-S. It's an animated film. Watched it with the kids the other night. They loved it. It tells the origin of Santa Claus. Hmm. Fantastic film. Fantastic film, 100%. I would recommend that. That's the way we should be thinking about Santa Claus. As the embodiment of generosity out of the own goodness of his heart. That's what St. Nicholas stood for. That's what the message of the gospel is. God, out of the goodness of his own heart, being a God of restoration, made a way for restoration, generosity, which came through the medium of the gift of grace. Mm-hmm. 
Santa Claus is fun. There's a lot of good things that can come from Santa Claus. So to answer the question, should Christians participate in Santa Claus? 1,000% yes in my book. I think it's fun. I've got great memories as a kid of Santa Claus and Santa Claus-related things. Um, I mean, we did all the milk and cookie things. I remember waking up thinking it was the coolest thing that a little bit of the milk had been drank and there was a bite out of the cookie Mm. Um, or the cookie was gone or whatever. One year, I think mom had found some way, maybe dad collected or something, but there were reindeer, there was reindeer poop in our front yard. Oh, I do remember that. Uh, I don't know how they pulled that off, but. Because we also grew up in a house that didn't have a fireplace in it. Yeah. We had a, a Santa key. Oh, we did have a Santa key. I remember the Santa key. That we would hang out on the. On the doorknob. On the doorknob. Yep. Um. And as the lore would go, yep. you would pick up the key and it would magically turn into a key that fits our luck. Yep, yep. <laughs> but only him. Only him. It was yep. only Santa that Only could do Santa it. that had that power. Yeah. Um, which, if he has that power, why can't he just open the door? <laughs> <laughs> That's less fun. See, there are ways to make Santa fun. And, and there are ways, I think, to resolve some of these issues, which is going to be next week's episode. But... For now, does Santa have a lot of problems? Absolutely. Santa got a lot of problems with the truth that it's actually communicating. But Santa's fun. And I think there is a way, 100%, a way to make Santa and Christianity um, coherent in their metaphors of gift-giving that can do leaps and bounds more for your children in understanding the gospel when you make them coherent rather than making them in opposition where one must take them over. And it's easier, it's always easier to choose the path where I can exclude someone. So by making them congruent in their incongruity. Okay. We can save Santa. Mm.